Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Ooh, better late than never. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Sorry for the delay, but we are here Monday, UFC 272 post fight to talk about some Ramirez Pedraza, some Chocolatito. A whole lot to do. Hello, everyone. This is Morning Combat, and I am merely one half of your hosting duo. My name is Luke Thomas. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C., joined by the Viceroy slash Prince of CT, Connecticut, my friend and yours, Big Beige, Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian Campbell. Uh, Luke, I've just been told through my earpiece by our uh, bosses that they will be capturing that uh, before the start of the live stream meltdown that you had on our staff and selling it as an exclusive MK NFT, Luke. Okay. So somebody out there can own, can be the sole owner of that. Uh, wow, Luke. Wow. Well, I mean, you're sitting there playing, you know, armpit farting noises while my devices don't work and I can't connect and I can't even talk to the guy who can help me connect. Cause BC is like, <laughs> so, looks like, you know, the adults are trying to speak. Yes. Okay. I got a little frustrated. I am sorry about that, but I was trying to get to the show on time, but here we are, BC. I'm happy to be here. UFC 272 will lead the show today, but as I mentioned, we got a lot to get to, plus your your questions on DMs from Donks. We're going to see BC's Have You Seen This Shit? We have a lot to do, so thumbs up on the video if you're watching on YouTube. Please hit subscribe for our new subscribers. Welcome. We do this three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 11 a.m. in the East. BC, for the folks who don't know, what is available at our merch store, morningcombat.store? Well, it is uh, St. Patrick's Day season, Luke. So uh, if you go to Morning Combat store, Morning Combat dot store, excuse me, uh, we have a brand new exclusive line of our MK themed St. Patrick's Day. Drink them up. Have a great time. I believe we even have, you know, a little little art to look at here to wet the palate, to tease you, to tickle around the, the North Rim, if you will, Luke. Okay. I think we have that. I Do think we have, we have that? that? Let's see that if we have that. I know that the... I was t- I was promised we had that. Anyway, morningcombat.store. Uh, go check it out. We got new stuff, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah, There there you have it. And, of course, uh, Showtime is the label that pays. Go to Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand, but you get everything on there, including what's ever available on demand. So that's always good stuff there. You can email the show, morningcombat.com 
at gmail.com. That's forever and ever if you want to reach us for fan subs, dead wrongs, anything else. And uh, yeah, BC, I think that's it. You ready to get the show started? Yeah, let, let's rock. Let's let's give them you know everything we got left, Luke. Okay, let's just right. empty it. Let's empty the tank. All right, topic number one here, and again, last apologies for the delay. Here we go. Topic number one, BC. I did the post fight show, so I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Colby Covington basically dominates Jorge Masvidal en route to a unanimous decision. I think he had a fifty forty five, a fifty forty four, and a forty nine forty six. But that basically tells the story of the fight. BC overall impressions of the fight, and then specifically. What did you learn about Colby Covington in this contest? Yeah, look, uh, you know, in the end, it played out how we all thought was certainly the most likely outcome. It's why the betting odds were were that way with a three to one favorite for Covington, who had the the freshness advantage and certainly, most importantly, that stylistic advantage. It was right in some of our ways we predicted and look at it coming in in terms of what version of Masvidal it would be. But it went to script for the most part. And what I learned is that Colby Covington is still very much at age 34 of the true elite of this game, right in that same category, in my opinion, with the Max Holloway's, Robert Whitaker's, uh, Dustin Poirier's right now, who are some of the best UFC fighters who are not champions at the moment. Uh, Right on the edge of the top 10 pound for pound, makes smart adjustments, showed his toughness in that little hiccup in round four, which is, you know, probably going to be more of a conversation on what Masvidal didn't do after that moment. But I'm still seeing a very complete fighter, Luke, and whether you love him or you hate him, but it's set up for you to hate him, to be fair. Uh, that pivot, which he la- he laid the groundwork during fight week of the, you know, I hate Dustin Poirier too, guys, don't forget that. That instant pivot afterwards shows he understands, Luke, where he's truly at. He's not going to get a third shot at Usman anytime soon. So you need money fights. And if he can continue to like this Masvidal fight to fight guys who, you know, a little bit older, not as well-rounded, his cardio, his wrestling, what makes him great is is very much the top of the sport, Luke. The, you know, those categories, uh, cardio, wrestling. He knows what the hell he's doing, and he's rounded out his game enough to make sure there were no... You know, there were hiccups, but there was no problem at the end of the day. The calling out of Poirier, you you seem to believe that that is, you know, designed to get a big name fight, right? Um, and to sort of stay relevant by virtue of that. Do you think that the UFC will make him fight the winner of either Luque versus, uh, who's he fighting here, Bilal Muhammad, or the winner of Burns versus Chimaev? How, where does Colby even, because listen, Poirier... I don't know if he's going to take that fight. He might. We'll have to see. But there's a decent chance he doesn't. So where does that leave Colby? <clears throat> if you're Colby at 34, you know you're still the the best you've ever been. He This is where the physical and the mental and the experience comes together. This is the best version of Colby Covington right now. He knows his window is closing, though, Luke. And I don't think it's advantageous for him to, to go back to the to the ladder and go through the, the top two or three guys to try to just get back into the conversation of an Usman fight. He needs to stay on the outside looking in so that if Usman suddenly retires or moves up in weight, or if Chemayev just kicks the damn door in, suddenly Colby's still right there. Almost, to be fair, in a Yoana-type situation where you're this big gun just waiting. But he doesn't have to sit out, Luke, him planting the seeds for a Poirier fight, him knowing that if he can just keep throwing out that bait, at the McGregor types, at the, you know, at the Diaz types, at the guys that he knows could make him big fights. I can't see him losing any of those in this, you know, greater BMF sort of gray area between two divisions here. But I wonder, though, 
what your spirit of your question was, what if they try, you know, what if they try to push him into it? The UFC, I, you know, you saw Dana and Colby didn't even shake hands on stage at the ceremonial weigh in. And, you know, you know, from Dana's comments that, you know, he's like, look, Colby's an asshole. You know what I mean? Like he's a great fighter and we, we deal with him and we make it work. But, uh, you know, I don't know because I think they're real. They'd have to be, if the UFC, they'd have to be smart enough to realize that he may not be an A premier pay-per-view brand, but he's building and has built now two fights with Usman and now this one, you know, a legitimate following. I don't think you'd want to stuff that if you're UFC and force him back into some kind of number one contender fight. I think that you can make this type of fight that we saw him against a, a, a fan-friendly action guy a few times over, Luke. My, my read on this, BC, I, I don't wonder if you agree, is they, you know, it's the it's the uh, it's the old press conference. Was it was it was it Singletary? No, that was I want winners, but it was yeah. They are who we thought they were. Dennis they, Green, it was yeah. They, that's right. Yes, yes. They are who we thought they were. Uh, you you know. Jorge was probably the better striker, although at times, certainly the volume and pressure on the feet from Colby snuck through. But it was really, obviously, as we know, he had six of 15 takedowns. In the fifth round, he had four minutes and 34 seconds of control time, really putting it on him in that fifth and final frame, getting two of two takedowns, right? Just on him like white on rice. And there were these other moments where he got dropped briefly in the fourth. Um, Obviously, I think Masvidal had a decent second round. But in general, the fight just kind of played along the path where it's like they're probably know each other really well. Uh, Colby is going to be the better wrestler and will grind out positions on route to a decision victory that was relatively ho-hum. That's exactly what you got. I do think we saw a couple of new wrinkles from Colby on the ground where he would play in guard and not really try to pass and then do more ground and pound. That has been something that has plagued him a little bit. Against Lawler, he had almost no ground and pound because he was so worried about controlling position. This time, BC, I felt like he managed different positions that gave him different tools in different scenarios. That's better than being one note about it all the time. So I did see some growth, but I just, I mean, here's the thing. We had talked about this uh, before the fight. He didn't have any wins over anyone existing before Saturday over a current top, I think 10 or 15 ranked uh, welterweight. Now he does have one. He is 34. He's the best he's ever been. It's just here's where I can't come. I, I can't. I can't decide what's going to happen, or I can't figure it out. I think there's a strong chance. Yes, of course. Listen, Poirier could take the fight, but I have a feeling he wants to deny Colby that. And by the way, that's a terrible fight for Dustin Poirier. I don't like his chances in that one. I think Poirier. Oh, probably- and those. Those early odds were like minus 400 Covington I yeah. saw that were posted yesterday. Yeah, I mean, that, that might be even generous, to be quite honest with you. Colby's bigger and has that skill set we just saw. So for me, the thing is, it's like, did Colby have a great, strong performance? Not a doubt about it. He looked really good. He deserved that victory. Clean, easy, minus a couple of hiccups here or there. But I guess there's still these questions about me. I assume a guy who gives Kamaru really sort of takes that de facto number two spot. But there are... This in, there's this new entire fresh wave of welterweights that Colby has not really put his hands on yet well, or vice versa. Look, and I think that remains unresolved. True, absolutely. And look, if Chemayev wins his next fight, you know, I, I think he should get the title shot. And I've said that that he could you could already have given it to him, which is somewhat, you know, people go, okay, I get it, but, you know, don't be crazy. But I really believe that. Um, if it doesn't go that direction, if if Kamaro beats Leon Edwards and then tries to either take a little bit of time off or or whatever, if you end up seeing Chemayev versus Colby Covington, Luke, that's going to be, 
I mean, th- that could be a, a another number. Even though I'm saying, hey, Colby, I don't think you have to go back to the well and try to become the number one contender because I'm not even sure there's an appetite for a third fight with you and Usman. You know, go go stay a pay-per-view trash-talking action guy even though you're, you know, really cringe. I mean, I don't mean action guy because he fights to his strengths. You know, it's, it's like I wrote a story about it on CBS Sports uh, yesterday. It's like, you know, it's not the Mayweather thing exactly. You know, Mayweather would bark and get you mad at him, but then have these brilliant defensive, you know, kind of boring-ish at times victories. But, it, you know, it's there's some smoke and mirrors in that with, with Covington uh, of making himself feel like he's a bigger brand than he actually is. He's smart at that. And um, as much as I'm saying, hey, go back and just make money and just make big fights, if they if if it's not next for Usman versus Chamaya for any reason, Chamaya versus Colby is, I mean, God, Luke, that's a... That's just a hell of a damn fight that would tell us so much in so many ways about both. It really would. Or a Gilbert Burns fight. A Gilbert Burns fight would tell us a lot, too, to be honest. Although I grant that the Chemayev one has a certain mystique to it that we couldn't ever really ignore. Last question on Colby, and then we'll talk about Masvidal for a brief moment. In your mind, where does he rank among most popular active UFC fighters? You're talking about Colby? Yes. In terms of their potential pay-per-view brand, yeah, like Wh- after whether they're Saturday, how or their value is he? Their value, and look, there are different kinds of pay-per-view values, A side and B side. You know, as opponents, Colby's largely playing the opponent role up to this point, and you can even argue, even though he was the higher-ranked guy, which is why his name was first in the promotion. I, I didn't realize that a lot of people, uh, you know, came at me and, and updated me on that. So thank you. Um, is he now an A side? Yeah, I think is an important question. And if you do consider him a potential A-side, I don't know, Luke, before I answer your question, he seems to have the formula down at how to be a great B-side, right? Like, match him with anybody, he'll trash talk the shit out of them. He may end up, you know, probably winning because these seems like, you know, he's not fighting guys on the equal level if he's going to stay in this lane. But uh, in that regard, it's Connor number one. Is Is it John Jones number two? Izzy's up there. Izzy... Kamaru is mean, popular. The, you've got certain guys like like Poirier or Holloway who need the right matchup. They need that right dance partner. But given that Covington might be, I mean, you can make the argument that Covington's the best pay-per-view B-side of the moment. Like he's the the number one guy in that category, Luke. Yes, I think that's probably accurate. Whether he remains to be the number two welterweight uh, over time, I guess we'll have to see. Let's talk about Jorge Masvidal, B.C., to me, this was really, I mean, I guess you could say this about the knockout loss to Kamaru, but it was so, not, you know, I didn't have it instantaneously, but the fight was relatively short. This was the first time where, okay, granted, the guy had to fight Colby Covington, who is potentially the second best welterweight on the planet. Um, you know, we all know how good he is. I thought Jorge looked a little bit old. Uh, not Not terrible, not over the hill, but he was wearing it physically in a way where I don't know that he ever positionally, it didn't look the same. But just from body language, speed, nimbleness, the ability to scramble through, he just looked like he was 37, was starting to play, a again, not the determining factor, but playing a factor, BC. Do you agree? And where does he go from here? It's hard for me to disagree based on how I perceive it because it's it's related to that. It's just sort of like, Luke, like, did I expect a better version of him? Yeah, I mean, I, I predicted him. I was like, look, it's not likely, but I, I just have this feeling. And there were mo- there were moments in this fight, even though this fight goes down as a one-sided fight, there were particular moments, and, you, and we sort of nailed it, right? The the fourth-round punch in which he dropped Colby to a knee briefly, and it's like 
dude, follow that up, mixed with, I thought he won the second round. I thought he had moments in both rounds one and three where it didn't, it wasn't enough to win around or make that argument, but you're like, if he can keep making these adjustments or stay in that lane, there's something here. So all of that was true. I think he did put in the best training camp he knew how for this version of him. And I think he did have a good mix of, of explosiveness with, with trying to set it up, but there was no next level magic to be had. But, and I think more importantly, Luke, he doesn't have the stamina for a five round championship elite level uh, fighting. And certainly not at this point. And, you know, when I, when I mentioned, I think, you know, he had the best training camp. He knows how to have, uh, he's a guy I of all, even with that 2019, which now is like this aberration moment where the perfect version of him came form Luke. And then it's easy to mythologize that and overrated, of course. And I didn't even think he should have won the fighter of the year that I thought it was out of Sonia, but you know, that's not to take away from him here. You get the point is, um, I think that's always held him back, Luke, from from really getting to that highest level. I don't. I'm not sure he's fit, he ever truly figured out how to get the best of him physically, stamina wise, cardio wise, so that there's never a question. And I know that's that's hard for a guy like him who lives and dies with the explosion, and that that's going to you know pull at your gas tank. But especially in that fourth round, to not be able to follow up on the moment that you wait for, you set up that moment the whole damn fight. And and he he had nothing to 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 pour on that Luke. Uh, it's disappointing because he did come in with the eye of the tiger. I thought, but the the the, the fuel wasn't there. This 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 sort of this this particular moment that Jorge's in reminds me a little bit of like the pre explosion Jorge, where um, granted he's having you know he had a bad loss in the one prior to this, and then this one was pretty dominant. So in some ways the losses look worse. In fact, that's what that's the point I was going to make. Like the things that troubled him before are still troubling him. Now, granted, we're at a more elite level, so I don't think that the old guys who used to trouble him, if they were still around or whatever, would still do that. Or, if, you know, if he had the skill set back then, it wouldn't be the same. But I'm saying, like, as he's graduated through, yes, he's gotten better, but the challenges have gotten tougher. So that problem, while he has, I'm sure, worked diligently to address it, it still kind of holds him back, which is these grapplers who just are relentless with it, they don't necessarily sub him out. They don't necessarily beat him up too bad but they definitely neutralize him. And he just looked neutralized. And then this is the difference, BC. In previous fights, he looked neutralized, but there was a little bit more scrambling, a little bit more activity, a little bit more hustle. This time, that part was missing too. Again, give credit yes. to Colby for taking it out of him, but it just felt like he was wearing it in ways I hadn't seen him wear it under these kinds of conditions previously. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that, Luke. And 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 then you wanted more from him. You wanted him to take that ultimate chance and risk pouring it all out to win. And, you know, is it the the lack of elite-level stamina that held him back from even trying that, or was it an unwillingness, Luke? I'm not sure. I saw that unwillingness in the first Usman fight, and I was hypercritical, even though it was a short camp and he had that built-in excuse. I I don't see, you know, the second Usman fight, he seemed more willing to let it go. And look, you just saw what happened. You ran into one of the greatest fighters of all time, to be fair. I didn't see that that mindset that is needed to create the Askren moment. You're right. You know, you know what I'm saying, Luke? I mean, I'm asking a lot of this guy, right, for this moment. But this is probably, if we're if we're being honest, the best fighter Jorge's going to fight for the best of his rest of his career. He'll make bigger fights, maybe more fan, you know, uh, McGregor. I mean, he's always going to be a sexy guy to throw in with anybody. But this is probably the last great fighter that he will have fought. 
And I don't know if he gave himself the best chance to win, Luke. You're talking about that fourth round or whatever round it was. Was it the fourth? I'm or, talking he about it in the fourth, but it was the fourth. But I'm saying, while it's easy to just say, oh, he didn't have the gas. I don't know if he had the desire to to risk mm-hmm. it all and try to finish him there. It, it was it was too safe in the end. It's, it's interesting. I mean, he certainly regretted it. In his post-fight comments, he said that he thought after he heard him like that, that he didn't want to just jump in because he thought Colby was going to shoot on him and he didn't want to give it up. But in the end, he let the guy off the hook. And he was right about it. He was like, it's only about a five-second window where I had to pounce. And he didn't. And he ultimately paid for it. Last thing on this, and we'll talk about the co-main event, BC. Do you think that does Masvidal's loss, it hurts his stock? But I did see an interesting wrinkle, which means... People think because his relative ability has declined that it makes a Connor fight more likely because now Connor has a better chance against him than maybe he did previously. Agree or disagree? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and a lot of people are like, well, if if Mosville is showing you at 37 that he's he's not of the elite level anymore, and, and you know, he got pretty close in 2019. He got above it, I thought. But um, then, you know, why would he sign a brand new contract? Well, he's going to be so, again, he's going to be so damn marketable against everybody and it's going to go in the predictable arc you know what i mean there's going to be fights in the beginning that he can win and in big fights that he's going to be a part of where he may not have a chance and it's selling his name and then eventually he you know as long as he'll stay he'll he'll be a great guy to match against guys coming up that you really need to test and um i think in the in the short period luke there's a few different potential pay-per-view bangers i mean it's not just you i mean you know the nate rematch we may not have this massive appetite for it but that's that's a fan-friendly fight to make as well. It certainly is. No doubt about it. So we'll have to see what happens next. And what about uh, him and Poirier, Luke? No? Him and Poirier? I think they're boys. I don't think... Nah. Uh, I mean, it could be a big fight, to your point, but... I don't, yeah, but they are you know, too close. You're right. Too too close. Too close. I don't think they want it. So we'll have to see. All right. Let's go to the co-main event, BC. Rafael Dos Anjos took on Hanato Moicano, Grando Moicano, four or five days notice. Had to travel from South to North America. It was a tough assignment, and it only got worse from there. That was an absolute shellacking. Now, credit to Moicano in a, a level of tough that is difficult to describe. Nearly gets stopped in the third. I, I couldn't believe that they came out for the fifth. Nearly gets stopped there. Referee Mark Goddard says, you got 30 seconds to turn this around before I call it. But he still fought the entire 25 minutes. Again, uh, made a decent account of himself in the fifth, all things considered. But it was, it was no way he was going to win. BC, should that fight have been stopped? Yeah, it should have been. It really should have been because he had already proved his point. And and when look, I got it wrong in predicting that Moicano would get the upset here. But what I didn't get wrong was predicting that Moicano would, even with the challenges of this being a five round fight on short notice, which you know it makes no freaking sense why this was a five round fight under any circumstance. Really, I mean, even the Nate Diaz one shouldn't have been. To be fair. Yes, there are certain fights, especially number one contender fights, that sometimes you do wish could have been five rounds. But this wasn't necessarily that when you add in the short notice. But even with that, Luke, I was brave enough to pick him because I felt like he knew this was his moment. So when you've got a a wild horse like that, a guy that is so much pride and is is willing to go through it all, the fact that they made him, to to be fair, you you could even argue as as big as this reward would have been, short notice, pay-per-view, co-main event, beating a legend like RDA, you know, you can make a couple leaps in the rankings. Wouldn't it have even been worth it to to land that Fury rally in the late fifth? And I know there's certain, you know, tougher just bleed fans that are like, well, see, the fact that they didn't stop it, you know, we almost created this crazy ending and that justified it. 
It didn't justify it. The body language was, was in the scary mode. He had already been concussed and you could have stopped it. I think two rounds earlier during that flurry uh, where his head snapped back. And it, th- by the time we got to where the deformation of the face and the eye, and then you add in that cage side doctor. And I, I don't have his name at the moment, Luke. And I've, I'm not here to, you know, dr- absolutely crap on him because that's a tough job. And he's been a high profile one for a while, but to just almost throw his hands in there and be like, yeah, you know, that's, that's cool. You can do what you want, you know, to the ref and basically say, I don't really have a recommendation for you. That's really what he said without saying it. You know, I don't really care, really. You know what I mean? You want to go with it? Go ahead. I'm going to put all the pressure on you, Mark Goddard, which it just doesn't make any sense. That's a role with deep responsibility, Luke. And he was just too ho-hum about it. And Luke, I look, the, the guys on the broadcast nailed it. That fifth round flurry from Waikana was only really possible because RDA showed humanity and took his foot off the gas and didn't want to essentially take a chunk out of Moicano's career in a fight that was already decided. And I think, you know, I, I think Moicano got pissed and he could smell that. And that's why you sort of had that finish the way it was. But, um, damn dude, no, he, this shouldn't have happened. Luke, there were, there was at least three. I thought, can't turn away moments of the, it needs to be stopped right now. And when you, once you get up to, you know, one, you missed it or you wanted it to be an exciting fight. We're up to three. We're up to this guy may not see again. If this keeps going, I mean, what are we doing? I just don't understand how we get to these positions. What, what are people looking at where they're like, I'm not sure what to do here. <laughs> he nearly gets stopped in the third, the fourth round for the most part, wasn't a battering up until like the very end of the fourth round, in which case it was a battering because that was when he got sliced open and, and further demolished. And he goes back out for the fifth, and the doctor's looking at him and looking at him and looking at him. And I don't you know, I don't know what the right answer is in all of these cases. I'm not a medical professional, and I'm not a, a licensed uh, referee. And I think Mark Goddard was trying to do something, because he was like, you know, the 30-second warning and whatnot. But, dude, it's just I, I can't believe we keep having to have these conversations event after event after event. The level of risk analysis here by corners consistently at the elite level in mixed martial arts is poor. BC, we're going to talk about it later. Chocolatito fought uh, on DAZN over the weekend, and his opponent, Ramirez, um, Martinez, excuse me, Martinez, Martinez, yes, I was thinking about the Pedraza fight, but Martinez, dude, through halfway through that fight, and by the eighth or ninth round, he's not cut, I mean, he's losing this fight pretty badly, but he's not cut, he hasn't been dropped, He's firing back at least somewhat. They consistently talk in that fight about whether it needs to be stopped. Let me explain something to you folks. The level of abuse that Martinez took in that fight relative to Moicano is a minute fraction. A minute fraction. And even in boxing, they were like, I don't know, man. This one's looking bad for him for different reasons. Not that it was necessarily an epic beating, but that Martinez just really had no hope for victory. MMA is a little bit different, and I understand, BC, making a different calculus about chances because MMA is so volatile. However, if you nearly get stopped in the third, you lost the fourth, you have just one round, the doctor's giving you the old evil eye, the referee is telling you you have 30 seconds, letting the fight continue to that point, what purpose could it possibly serve? The guy came in on five days, five days notice from South to North America, Five-round fight, granted up a weight class or whatever it was, catch weight 160. Dude, his chances of winning that were slim to none to begin with. After the third and after the fourth, it was infinitesimally small. It is not rational or, frankly, all that ethical to send him back out in the fifth. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I disagree that his chances of winning were were as low as you say because he's an extremely talented guy. No, he didn't get the proper training camp, but like, I mean, and you know, we saw the depths of what he's made of, and obviously that was the scary part, but I don't blame his corner, even really? though they were wrong, because there's so much emotion built into that that that's why we have the extra fence right around the lion cage. That's why we have the doctor and the commission and the referee. So, uh, you know, it felt like as a, as a team, they failed Moicano, you know, and, and that's there's, why and, there's blame to go around. I, I don't think that's fair. I guess my point is BC, you've been around as long as I have. We're roughly the same age, man, not just in boxing and MMA. How many times have you seen guys take fights? Like not, not exactly like this, but put in situations where a fight should have been stopped and it wasn't, it was brutal or whatever. And then later on in their career, they're like, eh, maybe it should have been stopped. And a lot of times, those guys don't have the money at the end. Moicano, by the way, express and clear about his need for more money, his, his like burning desire to finally have some big paychecks. He got half of one here. I don't know if the UFC took care of him in the, after the fact. I guess we'll have to see. Dana said at the press conference, Dana basically did a BC without saying it. Dana was like, hey, John Nash, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're not going to tax him on it. We're going to give him a giant bag, probably three of them, just filled with cash. I mean, look, good, that's what, good. I mean, not only for keeping the show on the road, but good God, man. Yeah, that, good, yeah. good. And he wow. needs time off, too, man. The guy has taken brutal knockouts before, too. That's the other part. It's like, dude, just what chance does someone have, even as talented as Hanato Moicano, when you've got an experienced, super skilled opponent beating the fuck out of you through four rounds it's it's irrational to send them out one last thing on this piece and we'll move along which is this is the point i made on the post fight show everyone keeps saying well the corner knows them best and the corner knows them best right the corner does know them best we don't know them better than the corner but clearly it is obviously true at this point that that knowledge of that fighter and that relationship to that fighter it is not sufficient to make more informed and credible choices about yes. when to throw the towel. And in fact, it biases them in the opposite direction in, in towards their cases. strengths away from their weaknesses. Absolutely. In some cases, the emotion's too high or just the, look, the, this is my boy. A lot of, you know, a lot of times the father trainers are the ones that, that, that pull, they'll throw the towel the latest, right? You know, and, and there's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of emotion there. But again, that's why you have the built-in uh, fence around it. By the way, RDA, Luke, still just a fucking legend. Still and the fact, a- you know, and the, t- <laughs> the fact that he did seem to show his countrymen, like, you know, some mercy in round five. I mean, that's just the, that's the chef's kiss to like, that's a real man right there, Luke. And by the way, if you don't think he was showing mercy, go look at the fourth and fifth round of what RDA did to Pettis. Let me tell you very clearly, RDA was putting his foot on the brake on this one. Last thing on RDA, BC, where is he in this division? Because that was actually a good win. I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't what it was supposed to be. He doesn't get the physique quality win, but he did what he was supposed to. Where is he? I would say he's in probably one of the top positions where if a main, you know, a title opportunity falls through, somebody gets, you know, COVID or somebody gets whatever that, that he's going to be the, the call for emergency, which is obviously not a bad place to be in to cash in big paydays. But, you know, he said that after he'd love a title shot next, it's not what he's going to get. It, it, it depends, Luke. He's showing you that he's still in a form where you just don't need to make legend versus legend fight. Like he might be one more win away from a, from a real title shot. Not a last minute one, not a hey, we you know, former champion, we love the name. He's he's still playing. He's still in the game, Luke. So, um I don't want to see him against the Tony Ferguson level. You know, I want I want to see him against somebody right freaking there. Where off the top of your head, what would make rankings wise 
the best matchup here, the the, mo- the smartest matchup. If you are looking at it as that way, that like, no, he's still, uh, you know, one of the three or four best in this division at the moment. Chandler. Chandler. Him, Chandler is ranked fifth. He's ranked sixth. That might change a little bit. Seven is Hook. Seven is Ferguson. Eight is Hooker. You could do Hooker, but he would be going backwards at that point. So God, RDA and Chandler. Oh my God, Luke. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's like you know when when so, that's like in winter time when you step into the hot tub. You know, like snow's coming down and it's like, oh my God, this is gonna be great, but it's so cold. And then you're like, oh shit, that's everything. That and, I want and, and BC and... true or false? That's a different fight if it's five rounds versus three rounds, right? That's a much more winnable fight in either direction if you expand it out to main event level. Yes, yes, that's a great point. And no matter how many rounds you set it for, that first one's going to be the best thing that ever happened to you, Luke. So just you know, just get ready. All right. All right, fair enough. We go now to the feature fight of the UFC 272 main card. How about this? This guy was the biggest. Standout performer to me on the entire main card, Bryce Mitchell. He handled Edson Barboza. He had a 30-26, the 30-25 on one of the cards. And I can't say I necessarily disagree with that. BC, he went four for four on takedowns. That's the most efficient and the most takedowns Barboza's ever given up in a UFC fight. Khabib did that, but had to get, I think, 13 attempts to do it. Now, granted, Khabib had a lot more ground and pound than he did, which explains the ability for Barboza to move. But either way you look at it, dude, he made smart decisions. He executed on a game plan. He stayed out of trouble. He took minimal damage. He dropped Barboza and completely controlled him on the ground. Dude, Bryce Mitchell's a star, is he not? He just made the leap. You just saw it, you know? And and I damn, he's got the motor and he's got the technique and the craft, but he's got something special in the intangibles department. And I think that we or me personally, I, I owe him a little bit of an apology. Look, that 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 I had never interviewed him before, and that interview he did with Ariel Hawani was, you know, headline producing for a reason, Luke. It was aggressive. It was, you know, um, it's a man standing up for his beliefs, which which you, you know, you may or may not have respected, but it it, it was it, it allowed me and a lot of people to paint a picture of who this guy might be. But yet I'd heard everyone say, Oh no, th- this kid is is incredible a gentleman. Like, you know, this kid is a genuine person. I think the the build up to the fight, meaning his fight week interviews, and, and unfortunately we didn't get the chance to connect at the end, um, and the post fight you know press conference. Uh, if you if you listen to it, this is, he's an interesting human being, Luke. But I think he's solid, and um, yeah, nobody you know there's there's a side to him, right? But I think you know for for where he needs to be emotionally to, to climb this ladder and take on the killers that are there, given his age and relative lack of experience against the elite level now we're, we're starting to get there right but uh you know relative lack of it he's got a, an, a he's got an old soul poised to him luke that is that is really a big part of why he can go in there and execute a performance like this knowing that barbosa is dangerous at every second um but knowing also he's gonna have to put a pace on him to wear him out and, and take away that danger and he did it he did it perfectly and in barbosa i think you're starting to see him Go right, you know the little bit of old man right. came out of him. Unfortunately, lack of output was really the thing. You know they they talked about on the broadcast too comfortable to stay on his back. Some of that true, but it made it easier because Bryce Mitchell was uh was going for it, Luke, and and you know got the camo trunks and and at least he's showing us that there's a few different sides to him as a person, and I think a lot of that is also what makes him a great fighter, Luke. 
Yeah, I mean, the guy has uh, his own ideas about the world that don't align with mine, but that's probably true. You could say for almost every single UFC fighter, they, they see the world quite differently than most of us. And so, you know, uh, that's sort of a different conversation. But when it comes to the fighter, I, I, I just don't know what people could possibly, and not that he's a perfect fighter, no fighter is, but that was a sensational performance. BC, I had people saying that this was a setup fight for Bryce Mitchell. Are you fucking people insane? Number one, they were ranked 10th and 11th. So by virtue of just that, I think Mitchell was the 11th, by the way. So just by virtue of that, you often see guys who are right next to each other paired. Moreover, let me explain something to you. If you think that never before in UFC history have so many fighters routinely declined fights, we have it on pretty good authority that it's it's now more than ever. And so that makes it difficult to, to, to find fights. Now, I don't know exactly the origin of this one, how much they had to play games with it, but BC... While I grant, I'm I'm in a complete agreement with you that Barboza definitely showed some signs of age and, and a little bit of shop warningness. But the point is, in terms of the level of ability, it was clear that Bryce had not fought someone as credentialed who has was as battle tested yeah, against let's... the very best before, even if there may have been on paper some stylistic advantages. That's why you didn't get a finish. It's actually hard to do that against a guy like Barboza, even though some have. The point I'm trying to make here is BC. This idea that like he was gifted an opponent to look good in is fucking stupid no, and, and I mean, totally the, insane. Did you hear the sound of those first couple leg strikes that Barbosa opened the oh. first round with that Mitchell afterwards was like, look, my game plan was to check those. And after that first one, I, there, you know, there was not going to be a need to ever try that again. I mean, like, like that was just, uh, dude, this, come on. But again, Bryce Mitchell had to show us that he actually is looking to be potentially a great fighter in order to control somebody like Barbosa like that. Because if he wasn't that good, Barbosa's in that fight and you know probably has a conversation on the scorecards at the end of it. I, I absolutely agree with that. Speaking of Barbosa, this is probably, I don't know if any one fight BC represents the end. I mean, there's no end until he decides to hang him up. But what I'm trying to say is, you look at this performance, you look at the move down to 145. I just, he wanted to go to 145 to get a title. And Jose Aldo went down to 135 and obviously has is in a very different circumstance on there. I appreciate that Edson Barboza has wrung out the sponge to get all the water in it. But BC, I think it's out of water. The idea at this point that he can make a title push at 145, I just don't think there's any evidence for it. Now, that doesn't mean he has to retire tomorrow or he's some kind of scrub. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if your goal is title, I just don't see a viable path for it. No, no, it's just, it's not going to happen. And this, look, this was that that opponent that was coming up that was going to tell us that. And we learned it, and it is what it is. And, you know, it's like he's not retiring tomorrow, but I often think of like, what would, what is the legacy of a guy like this? Like he's so damn well respected Barbosa because he's fought everybody and he's always been game as shit. I mean that seriously, that beating he took against Habib Luke, like that was one of those, like, is this necessary? Should we, you know what I mean? Like that was just ridiculous, but reinventing his body, reinventing his game. If he wanted to just uh, keep doing it because he loves it and, you know, maybe bank the biggest paydays he could probably get, which is what happens when you build a name at the end of your run. Um, Moving back up to lightweight, there, there's a there's a lot of fun action fights you can make, Luke, if you really wanted to. And yeah, and you and could take take an easier fight. Bryce yes. Mitchell's a tough fight. Don't take fights like that. Take an easier fight if you just want to see because Barboza can still beat guys at this level. That seems to me true, but just not guys like Bryce Mitchell. That is not can I, true. Can I say something, Luke? And I want you to I just want to see a reaction. You know, maybe okay. 
maybe I'm a genius or maybe you're just like, all right, BC, you're, you know, you're a lot of talk and, and <laughs> Edson Barbosa versus Conor McGregor at lightweight. It's fun. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. Oh, Barbosa's, Barbosa's oh, you know, he could get tagged with a big punch. That's the only thing for him there. But the leg kicks, there's a lot of fun fights for Connor. Connor never has a shitty fight, right? Never. That, did, like, that didn't make you, you didn't get horned up from that. That did, that was, that was like. Of all the possible choices, that's not my top five. See, top that's so interesting. Maybe. So that's like a, like an Eastern, Eastern European woman on Instagram. You're like, all right, for some people, maybe, you know, BC, maybe, but you know, give, give me that LBB. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, the old LBB, the famous LBBs. Um, Okay, last thing on Bryce Mitchell, BC. Here's one thing I just want to point out. A lot of times we get these characters in MMA from all different parts of the world and all different parts of the country, and people love them for their character, and you should if that's a thing that appeals to you or not. If not, whatever, you can make a choice. But the one thing that should be put on Bryce Mitchell, again, as a fighter, you better put some respect on him, not just because he's good. He has a very modern skill set. He's not just out there winning with old farm strength and determination. No, he's winning with the very best practices of modern grappling, changing up between upper and lower body takedowns, chaining them together, advancing to mount, working through all these things with what the very best guys are doing in terms of best practices. I'm not saying he's the best grappler, but I'm saying his game much more closely mirrors what the very best are doing than what all the other guys are doing, and I hope people understand that. Did you just take a shot at Brock Lesnar? Did I... Did I... <laughs> Did I pull that hair out of the soup, Luke? Did you? Yeah, uh, I, I, I you think know, you're just like, inventing things. I mean, come on, Luke. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't, don't besmirch that guy, Luke. I mean, that hey, penis Bro tattoo sword on his chest—it's coming for you, Luke. Okay? Yeah. yeah. That's I, I'm, I'm desperately concerned. All right, for the rest of the UFC 272 card, we'll have it on uh, extra credit here after the show. Number four, BC Chocolatito got back to action against Julio Cesar Martinez. Via unanimous decision. Now, first things first, Chocolatito, 34 years old. This was on zone. Boy, he beat the fucking brakes off of Martinez. I give credit, BC, to Martinez for trying to put rallies together, especially in that 12th round. Not even rallies, but maybe just flurries. You know, just to, just to kind of fight back a little bit with whatever way he could. But, dude, this was a master craftsman behind the wheel of a steamroller, and there was nothing Martinez could do. A, how impressed were you? And B, what specifically does this win set up for Gonzalez, which is Chocolatito? Yeah, to answer your final question first is just to say, like, this shows he certainly still got it at 34, but this gets him right back to what this fight should have been, which is, you know, a monster fight. The trilogy with Juan Francisco Estrada for all the belts there, or maybe even a third dance with Srisa Ketsor Rungvisai now that Chocolatito is... It's just in a different place now. This this Twilight Tour, I told you ahead of time, you know, watch this fight and and savor it. Savor what this man is giving us at a time in a career where we're in this division, you're 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 done, you know? And it, the fight was great to watch. Even though it became one-sided, the spirit that that Martinez shows, they were talking up his uh his like elementary school playground fight yes. ability, and that's how he got his nickname the Iron Boy. Dude, he still fights with that same exact spirit. They're like, yeah, all of his classmates were like, he's made iron. We can't keep him away from from just mauling us and, and tearing us to pieces. Dude, he's reckless. He's, the form he throws is all over the place. But he brought the the wavos, even though he had a lot of weight problems that almost canceled this fight. 
Um, and you know, you have to wonder if that, if he was extra drained, even though he's the guy moving up in weight from 112 to 115, you wonder if the next morning weigh-in he had to do to, to keep this fight from getting canceled just zapped him out even more. But he was going to be game, but it was also going to be the perfect canvas for Chocolatito to show us his artistry. Luke, he's not as quick as he used to be. His power isn't as massive here at this weight class, Chocolatito, as it was in the smaller weight classes, although he can still thump. But tell me if I'm wrong. Dude, he's a joy to behold. This is an oh, artist. God. Like, this guy's, like, his craft, timing, technique, IQ, I mean, it's, it's, and he's, and he's just a classy dude, a proud Nicaraguan, a classy dude, like, I love this man. Remember when, when, um, when uh, Tommy Heinsohn would be like, I love Walter, talking about McCarty, yeah, that Walter McCarty boner from, from here to uh, Hanover, Mass Luke, I got that for Chocolatito right now, okay? I'm rock hard with emotion, I love this man. Uh, I don't quite feel these same sexual urges. However, what I would say is I share all of the gen, uh, general enthusiasm. Dude, if you are an MMA fan and you have access to this fight or you're a DAZN customer, you are only cheating yourself if you don't watch. Nobody loses except you if you don't see this guy. He is beyond special. And again, as BC indicated, he's not even necessarily, in fact, he's pretty much post-prime at this point, but he's still so good, you just can't believe it. Watch how many times BC... He actually pushes uh, Martinez back and forces Martinez constantly out of position loosely. So when he's even throwing those flurries, there's nothing behind it because he has no stable structure. Meanwhile, you heard the Sergio Martinez, the commentator, co talk constantly about the footwork and the balance of uh, of uh, Gonzalez. Dude, he is constantly in. He is in good position, putting his opponents out of good position. Forward pressure angles, the whole nine yards. And, dude, I've never seen a guy, that's never, I haven't seen a guy in a long time stand guard like this right in front of his opponent, motherfucker, right in front of his opponent, and make them miss constantly. We're not talking making guys miss at mid-range. I'm talking making guys miss at close range, at phone booth range. And he did it over and over and then would counter offense on top of it. Dude, Martinez... This fight turned at the 44-second mark of the first round, and Chocolatito never looked back. If you don't watch this guy, you have only yourself to blame. You are missing out on a master craftsman yeah. who can still get, do elite work. And if you get thirsty for more, watch the Estrada rematch from last year, arguably the fight of the year, and watch those two fights with uh, Sri Sikhet Sorung Vasai. That first one, a thriller of a bloodbath. But uh, Luke, great to see him get his moment. Let's make the big fights. Let's keep it going. All right. But point number five, the other boxing event took place on Friday night. Interestingly, this one didn't have maybe quite as much buzz, but ended up being a much more competitive affair than I think even you and I thought, BC. So Jose Ramirez, he did get the win. That part went as expected over Jose Pedraza. However, I would say it was pretty competitive. Pedraza was game. Ramirez had enough tricks, BC, to get it done, true or false. So answer that one for me. And then tell me, does this performance to you inspire confidence about his chances to reclaim a belt at 140? It really does. But what I love about it, and it's really, it's perfect that that this is who Jose Ramirez is because he's so honest and humble and hardworking and, you know, all those superlatives. He's like the guy you want, like, growing up in the house next to you or to date your daughter. Like, he puts that off. And it's, he had to kind of walk through some stuff like this was a close competitive fight. It's him purposely not not accepting a, a soft match. You know, he's going right back in there against a top contender after, you know, 10 months gone, lose his first loss, getting kind of handled in a close fight. 
by a guy who just proved in Josh Taylor to be that much better than him. Uh, we were asking a lot of him. And not only was this fight great to watch, and I'll get into that in a second, Ramirez having to get hurt briefly a couple times, having to make so many key adjustments. And then Pedraza, damn, you got to give this guy credit. Coming on in rounds 11 and 12. And while Ramirez did feel the heat, he, the the way he closed round 11 after getting tagged up early, like, yeah, Luke, with Josh Taylor exiting this division, I, he might be the guy right now. That Now the titles will end up having to be sort of vacated and go off into different directions in the galaxy, and we'll have to start all over again at rebuilding matchups and trying to get back to an undisputed champion. But I wonder in some mythical pound-for-pound pound ranking of those who are at 140 right now, not necessarily counting the guys that we think are moving up soon, Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, I think I like him number one again, uh, just slightly above Regis Progre. Wow! And of course, uh, you know uh, a couple other very strong names that are that are that are still here and or, and again that are coming. Uh, because Luke, the difference between oh sorry, my my closing point about the humility after the fight for him to say, look, I'm not going to lie to you, I got nervous for this fight. Like it, you know, in in this guy packs that arena in Fresno and he represents the people of, of that valley, hardworking valley, and it embodies them. And, you know, they packed that arena. That that was a big-time fight atmosphere. And he admitted, Luke, you know, the, it was threatening to be too much pressure for me to come back and improve it all over again. And the way he did prove it, though, Luke, he's known for kind of being responsible, but being kind of straight ahead beside, behind his high guard. And then he's creative with the combinations. He's adding so much more to his game, and you can see it. And he's got one of the best trainers in the game in Robert Garcia. But there was much more uh, layers to what he does. He For half the fight, he made Pedraza, the natural counterpuncher, sort of come at him, which was brilliant because Ramirez would close the distance with pressure, but then hang there and counter Pedraza. And, and you know, no counterpuncher likes to be consistently countered. And it was a constant sort of switch game of, of them making each other adjust. But Ramirez's adjustments were better. This was a competitive and close fight, but he's still the guy, Luke. I saw, arguably... The best version of him, even though he had to overcome a little, you know, mm. uh, he had to, he had to shake off a few big punches late in the later rounds. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that except I thought the exact same thing as you. It was Pedraza gave a really good account of himself, but fighting. If you go back and look at the highlights, for example, you just consistently or play it fast forward. What you'll consistently see is, you know, with obviously a couple exceptions here or there, long stretches of the fight with Pedraza along the ropes, and he did. Impressive work there, BC, I thought, given the circumstances. I just thought if Ramirez is going to be able to back you up, even if there are some counter-punching opportunities there or whatever, and he did have his own moments, that was just too much of a metaphorical and literal back foot to beat Ramirez. That was not the best game plan to beat Ramirez, or at least not the one that I thought he could have... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that was a winning strategy beginning to end. However, the success he had with it was still quite admirable Ultimately, I just thought Ramirez did enough of the dance leading to have Pedraza follow, and that made the difference over time. Is that a fair yeah, assessment? Yeah, this was, yes, it is. And this was a Jose Pedraza fight, which means, yeah, like, it's so hard not to fall in love with him as a fighter because he's so smart and calculated and sneaky. And, you know, he embodies that nickname of the sniper and his counter punching ability, and he's game as heck. But, Luke, as you sort of warned coming in, he does sort of level out when he faces the you know elite level competition, and in some of those fights, 
you want you only you know he's one of it's like you're he's one of those guys who are like man if he just did a little bit more if he was a little bit more busy and active right but I think what makes it frustrating to watch him is he's so damn elite or close to elite in a few different categories but every time he tries to be great he finds out he's just short of that he's a very good fighter with some great tendencies but man he can't get over that highest hump and he you know he made Ramirez work and he was still landing big shots late like we talked about and. I thought Andre Ward was very critical of his of his strategy, but very fair too. It was a very you know good night on the mic from Andre. But um, this was the perfect test. I mean, this is a tough ass test, but Ramirez passed it. And Luke, I want to say one more thing. It's easy to to think Ramirez is overrated, and I fell for that for a long time because you know he doesn't have fight ending power, and he's not like a pure boxer. He's sort of this aggressive hybrid of smart boxing under the pressure fighter category. But his intangibles, his IQ, he's really fucking good. I mean, he's like, good. you know, he he's ready right now to get right back on the horse. Uh, so I can't wait to see what happens. The, the, these were, uh, to your point, I, I like the point that you made, which was the, he, he didn't necessarily change a shit ton round to round. It was tiny little adjustments about what kind of space to give, what punch to select, when to throw, what setup to use. Yada, 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 and so on in there. And he had to slowly implement it against the Pedraza, who was also trying to play that game with him. This was a real, I mean, we always overuse this constantly, but that was a real chess match, man. That was a real chess match yes, where these guys said constantly it. having, it was one move after the other, right? It was that close to being my favorite type of fight, high-speed chess. It was more in that category. It wasn't an all-action fight, but there were great adjustments, great skill, toughness, crowd, environment. This was a very fun, I was, I was entertained as heck watching this, so... uh uh, shout out to everybody involved there. All right. That is it for our top five. It is now time for you to ask us questions. It is time for DMs from the Diggity Dongs. We do these every Monday. You can email us, uh, morningcombat at gmail.com, of course, but that will actually ask for Wednesdays and uh, Fridays. We put up a post on Instagram. Excuse me. We put up a post on Instagram every Sunday, Morning Combat on Instagram, and then the producers pick five of those questions. All right, BC, here we go first. At the underscore or underscore the Gibsonator, another underscore. If Dustin Poirier beats Covington at 170, does that put him in a title fight? I guess, BC, I guess. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that, that's, that's the formula for how a star navigates the UFC, uh, you know, political matchmaking pay-per-view scheme. Like, that's the best way to do it, right? Yeah. I mean, Colby Covington's, he, he's, he's still the number one contender, Luke, you know? Okay, that, gun to your head. Is. No, no, no BS. Gun to your head. Does Poirier take that fight? Like, make a call. No, no. Does he accept it or win it? Which one he ask? Does he accept it? So I'm glad you brought that back up because I meant to make this point earlier. Uh, I like what you said. Oh, maybe he would just say "f you, Colby," and not give him the payday and the fight and the opportunity to sort of, you know, be a be a bastard and do it on a you know large scale against his wife and child. Uh, but I think it comes down to what are Poirier's options in the moment. If Poirier has a bigger pay-per-view fight to make, he's going to make it. But I think Poirier would be willing to do it knowing that there's real, you know, real necessary motivation in there to want to punch this guy right in the damn face. And also, it's going to move. It's going to make him money. And that's, I think, where Poirier is, not in some selfish, you know, way, but, you know, he's a, he's a humanitarian in a lot of ways, too. But I think that's what he's chasing, big fish. If Colby's the biggest fish of the moment... I think he takes it, Luke. I do think, though, the, the concerns you showed about how bad of a matchup is for the, for Poirier are, are legit. Absolutely legit. I mean, he's Colby's bigger. And then, you know, Dustin was joking on Twitter the other day, like, you know, about some pain that I think it was like some, you know, tweet had gone viral. Like, 
giving birth is the most pain a human can suffer. And and he quote tweeted and be like, you ever been choked out from the back twice in two title fights? You know, just sort of saying like the pain of that, not like the literal pain, but the significance of it really bothered him. Yeah. You know, you would imagine Colby's not like Demi and Meyer from the back, but he can get there and he can threaten with it. Oh, I don't know, man. It's a bad fight and for Poirier. Our producer, Mikey Mormal, reminded me that Dustin did give that comment where he said he wouldn't let Colby uh, make money off of him and that he would fight Colby outside of the ring for free. And, you know, and I get that this is something that rightfully Dustin as a man is like, nah, F you. But I also think he's a businessman, Luke. So that's that's the point of that. From at Custom Props 1. Would it benefit the UFC to make more non-title pay-per-view main events with their stars like Diaz, Masvidal, and Connor, and then stack pay-per-view cards with multiple low-selling champions? In other words, make three title fight pay-per-views with low-selling pay-per-view champions. What do you think? All right, so what he's specifically asking, and it's not that we don't ever see non-title pay-per-views, it's just rare in this era, right? It used to be a thing that happened a lot more when there weren't as many options or, or weight divisions or what have you, but um, specifically putting non-title attractive fight pay-per-views, grudge matches, whatever have you, all action fights, and putting title fights below it. I, yeah, I think that would be a smart move. And they've gone, what, they've gone against that, right? They, they never want it, you know, the, the title fight always has to be a top. At the end right, of the that's day. The Even part, if- that's, so, so that's the part. It's like, from a commercial standpoint, would it make sense to put, let's just make something up, uh, Diaz, Masvidal 2. Put that yes. at the top of the card and then put somebody like Shevchenko, who is obviously well-respected, but not like the biggest sales uh, star. It would make a ton of sense. It would make right. a ton. And it's surprising they don't already do that because they make a lot of decisions that we debate on this show, whether that was controversial or not fair or whatever. They, the business always wins out, Luke. You know, they always figure out what's best for business in a very McMahon-like way. You know what I'm saying? That's all true. I don't disagree. But here's where I'm at, BC. It's like, dude, what's wrong with the UFC business in terms of their ability to succeed? <laughs> Basically nothing. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're killing it. If anything, they're a monopoly, right? Uh, that's the, are, you know, bordering on it, depending on one's perspective. Like, they are the 800-pound gorilla in this industry times 1,000. So the question you have to ask yourself is what is what, what is it to be gained by doing that? Yes, there is something to be gained. And, and it's not even to say that if they did a Diaz-Masvidal 2 and then Shevchenko as the co-main or something that Shevchenko wouldn't also benefit. But there also is something to be said for like respecting weight class champions and giving them their due as people where, yes, we might suffer a little bit on the sales end by how we position who's on cards and where, but we are going to honor what these champions mean to us by giving them preeminent billing. I, I, I would hate to lose out on that. I could understand this argument if the business was suffering, but yeah. they're killing it. So why I mean, with do that, that? With that ESPN deal alone, this is pretty much a non-starter, right? Like right. they don't, like, of course they make aggressive pay-per-view main event decisions to make the matchups even, like, that's why you would see Oliveira McGregor, for example, you know, this year, if, if, if the stars align or what have you. I mean, it may, it's why it would make a lot of sense, but... Um. Yeah, they don't need to, and I and I miss those days. Do you true or false, Luke? And and Dana is what he is. What he is. I mean, Dana's is in, Dana White is entertaining as shit. Whatever you want to say about him, when he's on the microphone, like it's a thing. Like you watch it. I mean, of course, like like he's that's why it's part of why he's so successful. But but I don't know where I was going with that, Luke. I fell right off the side of the cliff. All right. You know, I mean, Did I, you I'll take, tell you what. Uh, the eighth Delta flight on the way. On no, the way I here. didn't. I wish I, I wish I did though. I wish I could get the extra leg room to uh, find my, find my brain again. But uh, you know, uh, that's hey, okay. we had a good run, Luke. 
we had a great run for as long as it lasted, BC. From at TJ underscore Padro, Padro, do you guys believe Jalen Turner could be a contender at 155? Seems like he is huge for the division. So far has looked great on the scale and is just effing people up. Think he's a problem for a lot of guys. BC, his wins to date, he has two losses to Luke and Frivola. The Frivola one was by decision. He got finished by Luke, but he has a win on the contender series. Uh, Callan Potter, Joshua Koulibau. Then it starts to turn up a little bit. Brock Weaver. And then his last two, Uro Schmedic, who is very good. And then, of course, this last one, Jamie Malarkey. What do you think, BC? Um, I think I remember what I was going to say about Dana White, Luke. That, oh. um, that <laughs> this is a great show. <laughs> I think I just forgot again, Luke. Yeah, yeah, we're on a great, we're on a, we're on, uh, we're on a great. A I was going to say, did you see. miss, did you miss the old hungry, desperate Dana? That's what I was going to ask. Did you miss the guy that still would do some questionable things, but it was about elevating the sport and the brand? And like, do you miss that guy? It's like there's still a good part of that guy in there, of course. I mean, they're they're monstrously successful, but he's not fueled by that anymore, Luke. He's still fueled by fuck you, but not exactly yeah. like that. Yeah, not exactly like, let's make the sport look the best in all circumstances. You know, I had five Red Bulls this morning kind of thing. Uh, that part is probably missing. But, dude, if you've had this much success, it's just not possible to maintain that kind of, you know, fucking game seven, bottom of the You're ninth damn right. You're damn right. And you'll burn the shit out, too. You'll burn. Luke, I have moments where I burn out, too. Where I'm like, man, I, you know, I can't, I can't keep this up at this level, can I? And then, are, you know. Are we, the, are we the Dana and Lorenzo? Is that who we are? Why? Why do the do the? Uh, no, I won't make that joke. I can't. I can't make that joke. I, I, they'd remove me. All right, Luke. Uh, you Jaylen asked me Turner. about Jalen Turner. Yes. The tarantula looked fantastic. What was the spirit of the question? Is he a future title challenger? Is that what you're yeah, asking? What do you, what do you think? What's his upside, basically? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This fight was He's a great good. step forward in extending that, Luke. I'm not fully convinced yet. But this is like, oh, he's not just some attraction now because his nickname is the Tarantula and he's got weird spiders crawling all over the, the videos that we see, Luke. The guy the guy's actually talented and explosive, but you are seeing the techniques start to come together, the game planning. He's on his way there, Luke. I still want to see him prove me. Prove me right, though. Yeah, exactly. Here's the thing. He is 26 years old. 26. Let's... Pump the brakes, everybody. We don't have to rush him anywhere. I'm not saying that the, the the spirit of the question necessarily says that, but anytime we're like, oh man, this young guy looks really good, we're all of a sudden like, well, who could he beat? He can probably be beat lots of guys, but let's get him to a point where he is doing it systemically. He is doing it carefully. He is doing it in a planned and coordinated manner. Because if you ask me, these wins that he has, they're nice, but he does have those two losses, granted, to a very, very, very good Vicente Luque, and that was, you know, in 2018, four years ago. And in the case, uh, but the, I was going to say, the case of his last two, no, those were much better opponents, and he dispatched with both of them as well. So it's the last two that tells you he's really beginning to turn the corner. But BC, you know, we still need to see a little bit more of him tested later in fights. What happens if oh, guys sure. don't fall into traps and he's in the third round? What does his cardio look like? He's 26. So he looks awesome. But there's a lot of time left before we really have to ask 
broader questions about but who that he was is an aggressive field. opponent who who brought a little out of him. So it was good to see that. For sure, uh, Luke. Uh, what can the fans hope for on um, extra credit today? Jalen Turner. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Kevin Holland as well. Kevin Holland quietly had a very good performance, albeit it took a little while to get going. But once he did, he was all in. We're going to talk about uh, Sergey Spivak, Marina uh, Marina Rodriguez, lots of folks. So um, be on the lookout for that later today. Uh, all right, at underscore. Why did you have a question? No, I, I just no. like to advertise our, our stuff. I want people to buy it. You know, so yes. I want you know. Buy I mean, it for I, free. I, I'm not going to watch it. I'm sure it's going to be great though. I, I, you know what? I actually believe you this time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, BC. This one's all for you. How does Tim Zhu do in his American debut, and do you see little brother Nikita's pro debut? Uh, Nikita will be making a brief appearance in Have You Seen This Shit very shortly. Uh, there are there are reports out there, Luke, that Tim Zhu is gonna gonna headline a Showtime card against uh, Terrell Gaucher. Um, I know that Showtime is is gonna unveil the the full schedule uh, this week, and it and you know you see some of these potential reports or whispers, and it's looking strong, but. Uh, Dude, this is Tim Zhu's moment. I mean, that's a tough opponent, and it's tough to do this, to, 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 to fly over, but this is the right time to do it. Let's make it an event. Let's make it a spectacle. And, yeah, you, I think you got to favor him to win. I think he's going to show you what he has in the moment. I just can't wait to see what Terrell Gaucher makes him show because, you know, that guy can – a couple times where, like, you thought he was better and he found a plateau, but then there's other times where – you know, Gaucher let his hands go, and, and he's got that amateur background. You're like, no, man, that guy that guy's a tough ass out. So this is a great matchup in that regard where we're going to find that out. But if I'm going to guess whether Tim Zhu shines or not, right now the stock's on Tim Zhu shining. Luke. We're, let we're me ask you direction. real quick. For, for folks who are more familiar with his father and they may not know too much about Tim Zhu, give me like the 20-second the, the pitch. What is it about Tim Zhu that excites you so much? Well, first of all, just the way he attacks to the body with the left hand and the hooks is impressive and aggressive, and it stands out. And his dad was a boxer puncher, but a guy who can bang. But his dad was a little bit more on his toes, darting in and out. Tim's solid, and I don't—I mean that not only in the stance, in the way that he attacks, works behind the jab, very, very good technique. But um, his temperament, Luke, is is seems to be uh, something special there, and that that's not. It's not a surprise if you grew up as the son of a Hall of Famer and you, you know, and you probably traveled with him and idolized him and went to every event. I mean, this this should feel normal for you, and it seems to feel very normal for him. And sometimes that doesn't matter in the end, and sometimes that gives you a, a reason to be so confident when you haven't seen him prove it yet. And then, last but not least, we see at Ross Rusty. Did you guys see the new Batman movie? And also, which is both of your favorite Batman movies? BC, what do you think? I did not see this new one, Luke. Have you? That everyone's talking no, about? No, I had I had uh, Violetta duty by myself. Uh, my entire uh, family is in Colombia. Well, my one side. Oh, yeah, family, dude. So. And you saw that when you had your melt te technical meltdown this morning, <laughs> I think it was very fueled by by poor sleep and over-parenting. It was like... Yeah. I've not slept like, much in a few days, so I'm struggling like, a little bit. Like I was, I wouldn't have been surprised if you were like, "You fucking kids, listen to me." You know what I mean? Just been like, you know, I mean, you were like daddy pants and gaffing me, but that's fine. Okay. I'm sorry, BC. I'm sorry, BC. I was, I was frustrated. I was frustrated. Okay, I apologize formally. I mean that. Uh, your favorite Batman movie is what? Dude, you may, remember we did uh, the homework on MK MK COVID homework on uh, yeah. the first Dark Knight, Luke? Yes. 
Or did we do it on the second one? I think it was the first one was with the Scarecrow. Second one was with uh, was it? Uh, yeah, because I had yeah, seen so the, first the second one. one was the the Heath Ledger Joker. The second one, that one, Luke, that one is untouchable. But I haven't seen them all, and I'm not like an aficionado, so I'm just kind of talking about outside my ass a little. But my ass has been been places. So, Luke, yeah, I mean, might, I'm not. Yeah, that might surprise. Yeah, yeah, wow. Hey, what <laughs> happened to the Twitter account? Morning combat, no context. Because that would have been know. perfect yeah, yeah, for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes uh, we stumble into a hole like baby Jessica Luke, and you know, it happens, right? That's a deep cut. Damn, that's dude, a deep Do people cut. know the baby Jessica <laughs> reference? These are like eighties and nineties kids references that we all did that I don't think any of our fucking audience knows. Uh, I was gonna say for I will say this. That's why. Guy. That's why they haven't shut me down for those John Bonet jokes, Luke. That's why. Okay, nobody, nobody gets them anymore. Right? Nobody knows like John Bonet. Who was that? Was that some kind of French waiter? Who is that? Uh, <laughs> what I was going to say was BC. Two things. One, I've not seen the movie. Although I find it weird that every new generation tries to make Batman darker and grittier than the last one. It's like you don't have to do that, but okay. Uh, I'm with you. The Heath Ledger Dark Knight is probably the best one. I will say honorable mention to all of the animated Batman movies and there was one that was done by a Japanese firm that makes it sort of does like it's like an alternate reality where Batman and Joker are in like 19th century Japan and they're shoguns and uh, samurais and they're sort of fighting for control that one was actually weird but very interesting and cool so check that one out and um and Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, I think, was the best one. So I'm not, I don't, I'm not surprised, Luke. Okay, you know what I'm saying, dude. I mean, that has, one, that, that's that's a great movie, dude. That's a if, great movie. Is there is there anyone on earth who a likes the Fast and the Furious movies in like a real way, and b past high school algebra? Is there does that does that Venn diagram overlap at all? <laughs> does it have a January sixth connection? Oh, <laughs> oh, all right, I don't know about that, Luke. Uh, can we show shit yet? We got yeah. Let's show your shit, BC. We're done. All right. What you got? All right. Uh, we scour the globe, the highs and lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in between, in combat sports and beyond. This one's called. Have you seen this shit? Uh, you know who is back from the park and banging on my door. I don't know if you can hear it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You hear that? Yeah. You hear that? Like, I, I need to see Uncle Gringo's glasses now. <laughs> That's a good deterrent, Luke, right? You should send all of her prospective boyfriends to me over Zoom. Yes, yes. I can't believe this is the state of my life. Mia Moore, I'm working. Yeah, all right. Hey, Luke, we start at UFC 272 in Las Vegas. Cowboy Oliveira getting his Johnny Walker on in the prep point. I know Cowboy's done this before, Luke, but um, I can tell you with, with, with probably a good deal of accuracy, he fucks Luke. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't he have like 79,000 children or something? I don't know, but that's... Uh, who that's, was it? Dude, yeah. who was the guy who played for the Jets? Was it Cromartie who had like 10 kids or whatever? Yeah, yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah, that's a, yeah that's a fact. he's the he's the Cromartie of the, of the UFC. Just like a fuckload of kids, man. He's like, uh, I don't Luke, like condoms. <laughs> You'll be talking Kevin Holland on extra credit, but uh, after hold this... Hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, this is just oh, a boy. stupid fucking... Oh boy! Oh boy! Come on! Yeah. You want to make a bunch of noise? Come on! Oh, now you're, you're coming know. on! Hey, Tuki, if you're coming on, come on! Oh, already, all right? Dukes! Come here, Tukey. Come here. Come say hi to everyone that's interrupting my day. I love you very much. Come say hi. Oh, you don't want to say hi? Look! Look how sad hey, she is. Hey, hey, Tuki! Tuki! 
Tukey, Tukey, you want to see Uncle Gringo's glasses again? She hates you, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sim, you know. Yeah, all right, all right. Oh, there she is, Luke. That's great. Go ahead. We got, yeah, yeah. We we don't have child abuse on. Have you seen this shit this week? So we should be good, Luke. You want me to beat you up? <laughs> you want to go to the park? Splash pad, Luke. She wants the splash pad. Let's keep going with the show. I'm sorry about this, BC. I have just yeah, no choice yeah. because there's no yeah. control over Godzilla. There's, there's, a, there's a wow, wow. Uh, Luke Kevin Holland got put in a uh, choke at the end of round one. I've never seen this before. He's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good, Luke. I'm good. Yeah, the arm was an in the arm way. in rear naked choke. Those can work, by the way, but it's very difficult. It's very yeah, difficult. Kevin Holland always, always showing you that that uh, the swagger. I like it. Uh, he was so swaggery, Luke, that after his victory. He, he did. He pulled the tie to Eva, or no, pulled the Derek Lewis. Excuse me. Put some respect on that, and removed his cup and 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 tossed it to a uh, to a lucky fan, Luke. That is beyond disgusting. I mean, what are these people doing? I'm going to drink out of your shoe and then breathe out of your cup. I mean, if 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 I was going to say if somebody gifted you that, knowing that you're a huge UFC fan, like if Tony Ferguson, Luke. No remember when Tony? Yeah. No mas. <laughs> I can't. This is just, it's all, it's just, what is happening with my, anymore? No, no, no. Okay. All right. This, dude, I mean, we're, we're stuck here. I'm stuck here. This is my, this has been my weekend. I'm stuck here. I'm stuck. Here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Look, uh, this is, I uh, haven't, is... I haven't slept. This is what I've been doing for 72 hours. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I forgive you for, yeah, this is, uh, okay. All right, Luke. Um, I don't know if we're appropriate anymore, but, uh, Luke, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Did you see Tim Elliott, uh, hold the glove of, Tagir Ulambekov, which really pissed off Coach Habib, Luke. Yeah, dude, that's insane. I mean, you can grab the glove, obviously, on the top of it, and you can grab your own glove, which people don't realize. You can't grab someone else's glove like that. That's what Yoel Romero did to Tim Kennedy. Uh, this is part of the Hainato Moicano ending, Luke, where he, he got pretty angry. I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, that Moicano, who threw blood all over and vehemently pushed back the uh, the cut man and the commission members. Um, I think he was mad that he thought RDA was taking it easy on him, Luke, and he didn't want to get embarrassed that way. He wanted to be, he's like, you know, end me. You know what I'm saying? It was very Obi-Wan episode four at the end, Luke. It was more like Anakin at the end of episode four, <laughs> to be honest with you. Anakin was Vader at four, Luke, okay? Oh, at four, yes. What am I saying? I'm in at three. Sorry about that. All right. All right. Hey, Luke, uh, let's keep it going. Brian Boom Kelleher, friend of the show, did not get the win against, good Lord, uh, the, another Numagomedov who looks like a future champion, but he did get the spinning back fist bump from Bruce Buffer. Your thoughts, Luke? Let's see. Um, That stuff's a little played out to me. The fighters love it, and I guess if they love it, that's great. I don't seem to think it's all that interesting. Okay. Okay, Luke. I do love uh, Brian real Kelleher, though. Okay. Uh, Luke Real is going to recognize Real even backstage at UFC 272. Here's a NFL and partying legend Michael Irvin posing with Kamaru Usman. Uh, Luke, um, we couldn't last 10 minutes in Michael Irvin's after hours world in the 1990s, Luke. I don't think we could last 10 minutes in his after world now. No, uh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, can you I imagine mean, the kind of parties and the things he's seen and done? No, what, yeah. and everyone's like, why is he so happy all the time? I don't know. He's lived a marvelous life and he's wealthy. I mean, wouldn't you yeah. be? 
Got a great TV job, yeah. Is an you know kind of like an ambassador to the sport, yeah. Revered yeah. hero of America's most popular game, you know. There it is, Luke. All right, his boxing from San Diego, Luke. Just three months after the life-threatening motorcycle crash and spine surgery, shout out to ring announcer David Diamante, returning to work like I saw way that. faster. I saw that. Yeah, than I thought was possible. Well done, sir. Dude, you know? didn't he break like? seven or eight major bones or something i I guess not i don't know what happened to him but i mean he turned this around insanely quick so uh a lot of determination in that fellow so congrats luke on this card unbeaten diego pacheco with a brutal ko2 of uh jenk pilana did you see this shit Uh, only on replay yes oh oh my god oh golly that was some ray mercer tommy morrison shit on the way down damn oh he had his hands down and this dude just let him have it right he steps in let's see what he's doing he faints goes over the top and then steps through almost switches stances with the left hook yeah he but look on the same card this one might even be better did you see mauricio bronco lara who of course had that two fight series and that upset of josh warrington Beating the buzzer to end the round to finish off Emilio Sanchez. I did see this one. This one made the highlights, too. And this one could have been... This one, I was surprised... Well, I mean, look at this. He hangs on here, and then this dude just lets him. Look at oh. that body punching. Good oh lord. God. All right, I'll walk yeah. you down. Yep, finish bop, him. Bop, oh. bop, bop. Oh, oh, oh shit, dude. Dude, that's got to be the KO of the year. Holy crap. Dude, those, it, it, when it, it happens in MMA, a little bit less so, a little bit more in boxing, but these ones where they fall backwards, but their knees are in front, like they're the knees over toes guy, that is, that is, that is always a vicious Woo. knockout. Uh, Gaff, can we go full screen here? We talked about the legend Chocolatito Roman Gonzalez and my love for him. Let's just admire his work for a second. Note, not only the soft footwork, but that, you know, he won't even always throw full speed, Luke, to get off these four or five punch combinations and everything is accurate and he's moving and he's never, mm. I mean, just a master. And dude, watch how often he put, again, watch how often he's in position and how often he pushes like this, Martinez out of position. Even if he doesn't land, he pushes him out. Great shit. Great shit from the legend here. Luke, let's go to the hardwood. Rough moment for uh, former NBA player Shabazz Muhammad on this breakaway in the Filipino Basketball League. Oh, boy. That's, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, remember, you're not supposed remember, to wear this. our free throw shooting contest? It's not <laughs> yeah, much more yeah. glorious than this. Yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to wear the Cedric Sabalas blindfold during the game, Luke. That's not good at all. All right. Hey, what a week for Canelo Alvarez. The, the first face-off, Luke, of his May 7th uh Light heavyweight title bout with Dimitri Bivol came out at the kickoff presser in San Diego. And Luke, you can see the very legitimate size difference as uh, as we talked about. Bivol, a very le- very legit 175er, unbeaten, great boxer. But this is uh, stylistically going to be a very interesting challenge. Bivol, to me, a little bit smaller than Kovalev. I thought Kovalev was taller than Canelo in ways that Bivol was not. Obviously, Bivol's bigger, right? But... Yeah. Wasn't Kovalev a lot taller? A lot taller, but he, he yeah. chose to box to stay safe rather than punch against Canelo, which was Kovalev's calling card, which made that fight so kind of weird, but yet a, a great victory for Canelo. Uh, also, Luke, let's go to the sound here. You remember I had Oscar De La Hoya on this show, and you can listen to that interview at youtube.com slash morning combat. And he did say, yeah, you know, the Canelo-Ryan Garcia beef 
We're going to settle it in the ring one day, three to four years from now at 165 pounds. They asked Big Red, Luke. Oscar De La Hoya said that you and Ryan Garcia could potentially fight in the future. Just your comment. That's joking. Oscar De La He's yoking, Luke. That they're just that's just just yoking. But uh, um, Canelo's a badass. Hey, Luke. Um, don't yoke about that. My my wife talks just like that, so it's it's the, all right, bro. It's good. It's, it's, uh, it's Daddy good. Janky I, is one of my favorites. Daddy, Luke. Daddy Janky, old old, uh, here's, old old Yaki's yogurt. And look at these two uh, these two boxing lovers here. Promoter Eddie Hearn putting his arm around Canelo. This is totally aimed at Oscar. This could be us, but you playing right? Uh, yeah. Eddie Hearn is tall as shit, by the way. Dude, right? he's six seven. People forget that. He's a he's a dashing gentleman, Luke. Yeah, he's like tall I said, as, he's tall as fuck. Yeah, he is. All right, and finally, Canelo exiting the parking lot in his 2019 Bugatti Chiron, which he purchased, Luke, for 3.04 million. Now, BC, is this nicer than my 2015 Mazda CX-5? Uh, by a by a bit, Luke. I mean, good. What does it do? Does it fly? You paid three million for it, Luke. What the hell does it do? Does it have a slushy machine in it? I mean, come on, dude. They. I mean, my wife one time. You you can do this. You can pay to drive a luxury automobile around a racetrack. Have you ever done that? I haven't, but it sounds fun as crap. It sounds fun as balls. Except this is before the weight gain, too. By the way, I couldn't fit in an, a McLaren. I was too tall for the McLaren, so they put me in. What did they put me in? Like a Porsche. Uh, I think, dude, driving one of those cars versus the shit they sell on the side of the road at some dealership, they're not even in the same league of machine. It's it's a completely different experience. I can only imagine. I mean, you like by rule, don't you have to get blown if you're driving this car? Like, I think that's just the rule. <laughs> I think that's the. I wall. think it's. <laughs> I mean, look, the packages vary, Luke, in terms of the accessories, but I think that is the. Uh, yes, the, uh, I they need to offer that. Yeah. I need surround sound. I need uh, Yokohama tires, and I need to get blown consistently <laughs> yeah, as I'm behind yeah. the wheel. I mean, for three million, Luke, you might it might be justified. All right, hey, Luke. Uh, some people don't have that money. In fact, some can't afford a can opener, Luke, but. No can opener, no problem for this legend of the game. Yeah, this man isn't a hero, and if they haven't given him the Congressional Medal of Honor, I don't know why. Um, I, I don't understand it, but wow, right? That dude has definitely seen some crazy shit in his life. Yeah, right? absolutely. Where was this? I don't know. I don't know the details. I want to know. I want to have him on the show, Luke, to be fair. All right? There, there it is. There it is right there. All right, Luke, can I ask you a personal question? Um, have you ever surfed before? Poorly. All right. Well, have you ever surfed a D before, Luke? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That surfboard right. is hilarious. And he's got stickers yeah. on it, too. He's like, yeah, I ride this every week. Yep. Rocco Surf Shop. Bought it right there. Yep. Oh, wow, Luke. Okay. And wholesome news. He got this news. at the Lex the Impaler next to Ron John's Surf Shop. Yeah. Luke, I got some wholesome news. Uh, Cindy Craven was finally made a legitimate woman by her longtime boyfriend, Charles. And here's their um, engagement announcement, Luke. <laughs> Yeah, yes, she was, Luke. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> Bang, yes. Look at wow. look at her. Look at her too. She's like, yep. 
<laughs> it's, well, it says it right there. Yep, you're damn right. Wow. Okay, Luke. Uh, big week for pro debuts in the, in the squared circle or, of boxing there, Luke. Uh, Nikita Zhu, the son of Kostya, brother of Tim, like we talked about, wins his pro debut, second round Ooh. knockout. Luke, he had taken five years off to go to college, but he is a four-time amateur in the past. He's 27 years old. And uh, look, you don't typically face you know a world beater in your pro debut, but there's his brother cheering him on. Uh, he looks like he's 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 uh, he he belongs, Luke. I think he belongs here. All right. Yeah, Let's I mean see. your pro debut, you're you're fighting, you know the as you like to put it, the guy who drove the Uber there. You're not really fighting the very best, but you're not supposed to. It's your pro debut. So. Yeah, you know that can that that agent fellow opened with his teeth. That's who you're fighting. But hey, yes. Nikita Nikita Zoo is probably at right now. We gotta follow him, Luke, every step of the way. Okay. All right, let's do it. All right. Uh, Luke, 2020 Olympic silver medalist Richard Torres Jr., the heavyweight, made his pro debut on Friday, just 22 yeah. years old, and he just needed two rounds to dispose of Adam Melson. Luke, this was good yeah, shit. I mean, this this was a bit of a donk fest. I mean, Torres looks like he actually might be interesting to follow, but the other guy was, I mean, this was regional MMA, but, you know, obviously not, it's not. Yeah. But it, it, it had it had all the, you know, the Benny Hills uh, sketch of... Uh, I mean, look at him. He's just sort of getting turned here, and it's just a show. Yeah, just need like a half-dressed nurse running away from Benny. That's what this needs. Yeah, and then a, then a then a me too. Probably. I like how his um, whole. I like how that dude's entire brand is now impossible in the year 2022. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like he's like Harvey Weinstein's. You you stole everything I work for, motherfucker. Like, hey, Bill Cosby. You know what I mean? Like, come on, bro. It's like, dude, um, if, you don't, if you didn't grow up with Benny Benny Hill as like uh, on your Comedy Central or TV, it's hard to explain. The dude's brand was sexual harassment and chasing women around all day yes, long. That's yes. what it was. We used to get it uh, late at night on w WPIX 11 out of New York was like the greatest regional cable channel of all time because all they ever played was like Charles Bronson movies and shit like that all the time. Um, that channel would play Benny Hill at like 1 a.m. on the weekends. And like as a little kid, you'd you'd run into that. You'd be so fired up, Luke. OK, uh, Luke Torres could handle himself in the ring. He looked pretty decent. But did you see him with the Rubik's Cube? Yeah. Uh, they claim he's also a magician and he builds rockets. I'm not making this up, Luke. There it is. Wow. I got to say, someone was telling me he was close to the end stage when he did this. I don't know because uh, I don't play with the Rubik's Cubes, but it looks pretty fucking fast to me, bro. Yeah. And dude, we've all left around with one. I have. I mean, I don't. My brain doesn't work that way, Luke, and I don't think that surprises you one bit. No, I don't think that it does. Although, look at the traps on this dude, too. Good Lord. Yeah, Those things yeah, touch his coming. fucking ears, man. He's coming. He's coming. Look, we'll, we'll find out what he's made of. Eastern Europe, Loop. It's a diff it's like regional MMA. It's just a different place. Uh, check out this fight training sequence, which involves a bear, Luke. Bro, look at this bear working on his triceps. Fuck, y'all. He's going to be. It's out. He's, he's trying to look good in a tank top in the summer. Don't be policing <laughs> what my bears do. These other two... You just I don't know what the fuck they're up to, but the bear is the star of this video. I want to be clear about that. Uh, Luke, speaking of uh, of Europe, wild weekend of boxing oh, results. Hold on, last thing, last thing. Just further proof, BC. I don't care if you live in Russia, United States, Canada, wherever. People who live in the forest, yo, they're different, bro. They're <laughs> completely you, different people. Well said. Very, very well said. All right, Luke, uh, did you see this headbutt? I don't know the fighters. I don't even know what country, but this pro, this has been going all over. Oh, there's the fighter names Ooh. right there. Oh, shit, Luke. 
Dude, what was that? Uh, illegal. That's what that was. That was <laughs> yeah. That's assault. Okay. Yeah. Holy shit. That was just blatant. Well, Luke uh, got a little wilder here. I don't even know if this is the same show, but this other video is making the rounds. I'm I'm going to guess you're up. The fan getting involved. Oh, hell yeah. This th These must be people who live in the forest as well. And then look at that. They got, oh, Royal Rumble. Luke over the top. Hogan wins. Unbelievable. That's, Dude, where uh, the fuck is this? How about that security taking care of that shit, bro? Yeah, here he comes in the ring. The two boxers are like, what the fuck? And he's talking shit. And then they just, whoop, chuck his ass out. Oh, yeah. Boom, and you know, everyone wants to, everybody wants to get their shot in on this donk. Yeah, absolutely, Luke. All right. Uh, T-shirt of the week time. Luke, finally, finally somebody has the balls to tell the truth. I mean, you know, as you always say, uh, how can I criticize that, Luke, if I've, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Let he, if, let he <laughs> who is without sin cast the first stone, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Luke, I'm not into slap fighting at all, but there were a lot of people cared about this Logan Paul thing. Did you see this KO, though, and Logan Paul, the promoter's reaction? Good Lord. There's Arnold. There's Todd Harris of the WEC, Luke. Yeah. Yeah, this is not... I mean, look at Schwarzenegger sitting down just like, what has happened to my life? I love Schwarzenegger. He's my hero, but... And he he put this at the Arnold, and I get that he's trying to experiment. If you don't know what the Arnold is, it's like the biggest um, uh, bodybuilding slash weightlifting slash powerlifting expo in the world. It's got... Um, Luke, it's got an amateur wrestling vibe to it too, though, right? Uh, they Well, here's what's funny. Strike Force used to put on events in Columbus, Ohio, where this is traditionally held, on the same weekend, there would be like an MMA Arnold crossover. Yeah. They have stopped doing it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't WWE know used to do that too, and and try to link up with it as well. Yeah. Okay. I like how the slap fighters look like they're wearing re uh, uh, Venom kits too. By the way, look at that. Yeah, dude. There. Look, I don't like every combat sport. I really don't like the slap shit, Luke. Slap sticks. It started yeah, out as like a weird thing they did on radio stations back in like the late '90s, early 2000s, yeah. and it just took on a life like this, which I don't quite. Yeah, I mean, it's but, just, it's, it's, it's really stupid. It really is. All right, Luke, proud dad alert. Look, if you don't have much to brag about, Luke, and one day you'll be, you're probably already bragging to every person you meet because look, Tukey is that incredible, Luke. I'll give her that. But uh, check out this dad at the airport. Just telling it like it is. He is proud of his girl. Congrats, Melinda. Out of prison yesterday. Start parole today. <laughs> She made it, Luke. She made it, okay? Bro, is right. this guy the biggest dad who ever dadded? He's got yeah. the wrong size shorts on. Yeah. He's got yeah. socks. He's got socks up to his calves, which, by the way, it's okay. He's got the keychain hanging off the side, shirt tucked in with there's a belt from 1993. There's definitely a key to a basketball gym on that on that roll of keys. And, Luke, there's an Emily Whitmire tattoo on his left forearm. <laughs> you know, it turns out, wow. Right. Probably, and look at his sneakers. He definitely got those at the worst place to ever buy sneakers, much to the chagrin of his child. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's, and that belt buckle is doing a lot of work right now. A lot of work. He's happy, Luke, okay? His daughter's free. Uh, we talked about Eddie Hearn being 6'7", Luke. He put on the gloves last week against Matchroom Sports CEO Frank Smith. And look at the uh, the towering inferno Eddie Hearn go to the body here. Are they doing no oh. head punches? What are they doing? Oh, shit. Yes, just body work. Oh, he's the, look, he's not getting up from that. Frank Smith yeah, well, not getting up from that. I mean, he, you know, my man's got the worst haircut on earth and, you know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna judge, but he's got a few extra lbs on him, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, are you impressed by Eddie Skill at all? I mean, it's not Stephen A. Smith, I'll tell you that. No, I'm not impressed. Okay, 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 Luke. couple more to end it. Luke, this week in marijuana, let's end with this, okay? First of all, I've got what I think is the world's worst first four-foot blunt. Luke, your thoughts? Oh, I mean, put it in my veins. Yes, uh, that that gets the world star stamp on that screen. Absolutely. Like Finally, I wouldn't Luke, care. I wouldn't care if this dude had COVID. He could blow all that smoke in my face. It's quite all right. <laughs> well, uh, Malka and Showtime have come together, Luke, for your birthday, and they are going to gift you um, one hit of this, Luke. The uh, I don't know what you call it. There, the full fi- the full frontal treatment here, Luke. You could not handle this. <laughs> I'm like a cat who has seen a, a squirrel for the first time. You, if you don't do this for my birthday, you're dead. <laughs> but sure, it could kill you. I hope yes. you're damn right. Yes, I, yes, I certainly could. hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he went out doing what he loved. Yep, that is unbelievable. Though, wow, wow. Okay, that's all the shit I got this week, Luke. That's great. Pretty good, BC. Pretty good. All right. Uh, with that in mind, we have time for odds and ends. What do you got? Uh, Anthony Joshua has finally uh, announced the new trainer. It didn't end up being the sexy pick we thought it might as he did kind of a tour of the world of the biggest trainers in boxing today. He ends up picking his longtime assistant, Angel Fernandez, who, to be honest, Luke, I don't know really much about at all beyond the name. So we'll see what kind of effect that has. But Luke, it's it, we're obviously in such a weird time because of the uh, the, the Russian invasion in Ukraine and and God, the, the the courage of these elite Ukrainian boxers who are just going, you know, just going for it right to the front line and manning up and arming, you know, and all that. It's like, it's weird. It's like, I don't even know what, you know, I mean, it sounds stupid to say like what the heavyweight division, lo- you know, looks like in the next 18 months because, you know, Usyk's the, the champion. He's got three or four belts, but, you know, he was on that CNN interview and, uh, you know, the, the announcer had gotten, uh, the question asker had gotten trolled for basically saying, you know, when do you think your rematch with Joshua will take place? And he's like, I, I don't care. You know, I n- never like, uh, you know, uh, my country, my, my, my God, my family, like, the, you know, like, holy, of course, you know? So, um, it will be interesting, Luke, just in that regard, because, you know, yeah, Tyson Fury is going to fight Dillian White, but, uh, I don't know what, what the future brings for Anthony Joshua or that rematch or, or what have you it's it's obviously wait and see in so many more categories way more important than heavyweight box yeah last thing on this by the way i tweeted it out last night you can still see it on my timeline there was I, I you know it's hard to know what information is accurate coming from there i mean do your best we're all trying our best but there was a video of a captured russian soldier sort of explaining his view that like here's what we thought we were going in we had some reason to think that you know maybe we didn't exactly understand it but they basically believed that the Ukrainians were waiting to be, this was what he said, that the they understood their job as a humanitarian act and that Ukrainians were waiting to be liberated. They weren't totally sure, but that was their general orientation. And he said the first time he was really jolted awake at how untrue that was, was he says his two favorite boxers, and he mentions them by name, were Usyk and Lomachenko. And he said when they joined the resistance, he was like, oh, oh, right. Like, this is not at all what we thought it was. But he mentions yeah. them by name in this video. So if you haven't seen it, Again, you know, who knows what's accurate and whatnot, but it was a it was an interesting piece of, of content to say to say this um uh, put it mildly, I'll put it that way anyway. Yeah, dude. Um holy, holy, holy crap, Luke. It's yeah. uh it's rough, Luke. And by the way, uh not related at all, but, but kind of related. First I wanted to make sure are you gonna do 
Umar Nurmagomedov in your uh, extra credit because that guy deserves a lot of talking about. Luke, I am. Okay? I am. Yep. And number two, um, the Marina Moroz moment, you know, being from Ukraine in, in a very emotional speech. And I'm glad they gave, you know, Joe even gave her the mic and was like, go for it. It, it was great. But uh, what do you feel about some of the Russian fighters, you know, getting booed? Because it's like, you know. Not Habib. They didn't boo Habib. I mean, yeah, but like these guys aren't on the front lines trying to uh, trying to make this war happen. So um, I know these are just ordinary people. I don't, I don't. I mean, again, I go back to the famous story during Bodog fight when Trevor Prangley fought Yuki Kondo, I think in Philly or somewhere like that, and uh, every, the whole crowd was chanting USA, USA. And but the problem is Trevor Prangley is from South Africa. They just couldn't tell. So that was always a fun little thing. I don't try to get too <laughs> racism, into the racism. Yeah, look, I got yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like you're cheering for the white guy just because he's white. Uh, it's a little bit of a problem, but okay. Um, we'll have to see what all that well happens there. My my quick quick odds and ends. They they put this on the broadcast. I wouldn't have otherwise known about it, but Drake, the hip hop artist from Canada, uh, bet two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars BC on Masvidal, and then lost it all. Now BC, isn't there a Drake curse? where I guess like he was like supporting like Duke or UNC or whoever and they would lose and then he'd show up to like some yes. other sporting event and they would all fucking lose and then McGregor and he lost to Mayweather. Boy, well, our the producer Drake Mikey is saying huh? Kentucky basketball, Alabama football, there was a Oh, that's right cuz he's also like it. he's also like a bandwagon fan where like I mean he's not a bandwagon fan for the Raptors cuz he's from Toronto I guess but uh for like the American teams he just gloms on to like the big winning programs or whatever. Yeah, anyway, yeah, he's a celebrity. Drake. That's fuck what they Drake do. Is my Celebrities favorite. are leeches to hot t- winning teams and and rubbing their star against it. Luke, we know that shit. All right, BC. Yeah, what just, team? What sports team? If one sport, if you, if we, if this show just blew up and we were like, you know, ten times bigger than Joe Rogan podcast, bigger than you could ever imagine, yeah. and there yeah. could be one sports team who could offer you season tickets for life, who would it be that you take it from? Great question, Luke. A college and pro or just pro college and pro um i get i bought the boston celtics would be my pick but i was considering penn state football luke but Ooh. i don't really want to spend that many days in happy valley though you know yeah not <laughs> i won't go there i will not go there no not not, not because of that there. no i will no, not go there <laughs> Not because BC's of that. like hashtag Sandusky. Um, yeah, <laughs> I would. I, I, I would have liked to have picked the Commanders, but they're just so awful. I can't. I would probably go with uh, the Wizards, even though it's not really an inspiring choice. Uh, all right, BC, that is it for us. Now, are they reminding us we have a top of the morning collection? I believe this is the merch collection, BC. Yeah, yes. this is a part of our our St. Patrick's Day package at MorningCombat.store that RJ. Uh, Dunkle Cracker that has so, you know, expertly curated Luke and put together. You know, he doesn't clear this shit with us, but it works, Luke. I saw that onesie. You could outfit your child in an MK St. Patrick's Day onesie today, Luke, and the bibs as well. And, you know, I can't throw a stone at kids for wearing a bib anyway, Luke. I spilled food on my shirt right out of my mouth every meal, probably every meal, Luke. BC, we find out that stuff is on the store by going to the store. We don't ever see mock-ups. We don't ever see ideas. We just see results. That's why I'm saying RJ's throwing like a perfect game right now. He's like Doc Ellis on acid, just slinging curveballs right now, and it's working. You know, it's like also we need to take some new pics with us posing in merch because I look fat as fuck in all these photos, 
And I've oh, lost no, a lot dude, of weight since we took. I them. was skinny then. I've put on another, you know, a little bit here, Luke. Uh, but uh, yeah, after you know, getting COVID and hurting my back and just being an old, old bitch hibernating in the winter, Luke, which is really my mo. It's my survival move, Luke. You know, it's but they, uh, they should sell BC yoga pants because your bitch ass does yoga on the regular. Yes. We do. We have the white sweatpants with the uh, with the MK logo on it. That's Those true. are comfortable as heck. All right. But I don't, so reminder. Morningcombat.store, you can go there. Showtime.com is the label that pays. 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can do something else. Morningcombat at Gmail. Wednesdays, fan subs. Fridays, dead wrong. Anything else you need to reach the show about, that's how you do it. And, now, of people course... Be on the, people be on the lookout, Luke. The Showtime boxing announcement, I think, even in the next 24 hours, is, is yes. looked like it's, it's going to be a, a, a big rollout with a lot to talk about, uh, you know, I'm sure, on Wednesday show, Luke. I, I got my traveling s- schedules getting in the way. I can't be on Wednesday's Morning Combat show. So you're going to be on Showbox on Friday, correct? Yeah, that that was literally the only flight that gets you eventually from Hartford to to Rapid City. So, uh, yeah. So uh, have the, fun there. You know, yeah, Deadwood, <laughs> Deadwood, baby. All right, I'm coming. Deadwood. I'm coming for you. Yeah. All right, so there you have it. Thumbs up on the video. Hit subscribe. Leave a nice review on the podcast. We'll be back on Wednesday. Be on the lookout for more interviews and extra credit coming your way as well for CBS, for Showtime, for Malka, for BC. I'm LT. We'll see you guys next time. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.